I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host, Hugh McTeer, and today we're going to dive into all the interesting stories of Match Day 31 of the 2019-20 La Liga season, and there were some very interesting stories this midweek. We'll be hearing from experts from across Spain as we go from north to south to east to west. We're going to get stuck into the title race, of course, but that will be a little later on, because first, without a doubt, the most heartwarming moment of the round was when we got to see Bruno Soriano return from his three years of injury struggle. He hadn't been able to play since May 21st, 2017, but 1,128 days later, he was back as he came on towards the end of Villarreal and Sevilla's 2-2 draw. He was very emotional afterwards, and even if you don't speak Spanish, listen to this post-match interview and to how his voice breaks up with all the emotion of it. ¿Cómo te sientes al volver a jugar 1.128 días después? Enhorabuena. Bueno, pues imagínate, ¿no? Eh, la verdad que no, no sé muy bien ni qué decir porque ya tanto tiempo que no, que no jugaba que... Perdón. What he was saying was that he didn't really know what to say because it had been so long, but the emotion comes through no matter what language you understand. Later, after his interview, when he returned to the dressing room, he was greeted by his teammates, giving him an ovation and cheering his name. This is what that sounded like. It was a very special moment and a very entertaining game. This was the first one of Match Day 31 back on Monday and it was a thrilling back and forth to-do draw between two teams with European aspirations. Let's speak to Paco Paula about it and Paco, was this maybe the most entertaining match we've had so far since the restart? 
Yes, definitely one of the best, because of the sheer quality displayed in most individual performances. Take both Sevilla goals, for example, the strikes by Escudero and Munir were absolutely superb. Clinical mid-range finishes which were impossible for the keeper. We also saw very good ball passing by both the home and away sides, and overall they looked like strong contenders for ambitious goals, which they're actually striving for. So yeah, I enjoyed it quite a lot. You mentioned that the two Sevilla goals were impossible for Sergio Asenjo to save, but he did make two really stunning saves during this game. How impressive were they and how underrated is Asenjo in general? Even though some pundits claimed Asenjo possibly exaggerated a bit with his flying while making them, I believe both saves were brilliant, especially because of the moment when they were made. Villarreal were dominating in the scoreboard 2-1 and Asenjo first kept his team on top with the first save and after seeing the game leveled, stopped Sevilla on their tracks from winning the game. After the Calvary, because that's the word which Asenjo overcame last season with long-term injuries in both his knees, it's really excellent to see him slowly recover his best form. And then Bruno Soriano, talk us through his return. 37 months or if you prefer 1,128 days. That's the time Bruno Soriano has suffered without being able to play football. Everything started with some pain in his knee, which developed into a real issue after undergoing surgery. And since summer 2017, he's tried to return to play without luck. After suffering for two years, he again underwent surgery in his patellar tendon in summer 2019, and things finally looked up for him. He worked hard, he was an absolute trooper, and finally set foot in El Madrigal for a few minutes this week. Nothing fancy, but you could see the guy choking and shedding tears in the flash interview post-game. And the way the whole organization welcomed him inside the locker room after the game was truly heartwarming. What lies ahead now for Bruno Soriano? His current contract runs out at the end of the season, so will he be there next season and is he expected to play much? I think he's going to take it easy and play here and there in the remaining games, gearing up for the 2020-2021 season. Bruno is Villarreal's captain and the third example of resilience within their squad, after we've seen Santi Cazorla and Sergio Asenjo overcome career-ending injuries. If Villarreal have waited so long for him, three years for him, I don't expect the club to abandon him now that he's back. Hopefully, there's still plenty of football left inside 36-year-old Bruno Soriano. Thanks, Paco. We move on now to Real Betis and their first match since they sacked Ruby. Curiously, this one was against Ruby's former club, Espanyol, but he wasn't in either dugout for this one. It was Alexis Trujillo in charge of Betis. He's taken over until the end of the season, and he started with a 1-0 win. Mark Bartra getting the header from a corner, and that proven enough for Betis to take the three points. That plus... An incredible Joel Robles save on Wu Lei late on. Let's find out what the mood is around Betis right now with some snap post-match thoughts from Betis fan and Radio Betis commentator David Whitworth. Here's exactly what he was thinking at full time. Very relieved tonight indeed. Um, the last five minutes I was pacing up and down. Um, but um, yeah, very, very pleased with the image and the change in attitude of the team from tonight. Heart was in my mouth in that last second when Espanyol had that breakaway chance. I thought, oh no, here we go again. Maybe, just maybe, that was a bit of luck that maybe with Ruby that would have gone in. 
who knows? But uh, my heart was in my mouth, that was for sure. Luckily, Robles came up with a big save. And we deserve to win. Um, enjoyed the team. Not so much, but enjoyed the team in the sense that the, the spirit and the conviction and the attitude and the organisation was there tonight. Um, yeah, just highly relieved. Highly, highly relieved. Thanks, David. Let's reflect now on the unluckiest team in all of La Liga, Leganes. After they had their two best forwards, Yusuf Nassiri and Martin Brathwaite, taken away through the triggering of their release clauses midway through the season, their main striker left is Guido Carrillo, and he's now suffered what looks like a serious injury. He's going to miss several matches. Add to that bad luck the fact that their best player, Oscar Rodriguez, came on for Carrillo in their Monday night 0-0 draw with Granada and then had to go straight back off after just 23 minutes with an injury of his own. And then the other striker at Leganes, Miguel Angel Guerrero, he missed a penalty in that goalless draw. So just nothing going right for Leganes right now. They're second bottom and seven points from safety as things stand. Let's speak now to Javier Martin, who's the Leganes reporter for Ask Newspaper and who's one of the few journalists still able to go to Butarque these past few weeks. Javier, putting it simply, just how big a hole are Leganes stuck in right now? Situation is really, really tough. Um, actually, there are like, um, I mean, players and the squad of Leganes are making numbers and trying to figure out how many points will be necessary to avoid relegation. And uh, some of them, like Ruben Pérez, the other say, the other day said that. Um, they need like 37, 38 points, what actually would mean like winning four of the next seven games. And I know that that seems impossible, but the, the, the thing is that this Leganes is showing, first of all, a big problem with goal. Uh, they are not scoring goals. Uh, Guido Carrillo is uh, injured, so he they, they're going to lose uh, his, his punch, even though he was not scoring too many goals in the last games. Uh, actually in the whole season and the other day we saw how bad luck Leganes is having with goals you know I mean uh, they they missed one penalty with Guerrero um, and they had opportunities good opportunities and chances but uh, they were all you know um, not, not enough to to score a goal and I think that that is the biggest problem for for Leganes. You said some of the players think 37 points could do it that's 12 away from where they are now how does the fixture list look? They are having right now some rivals that can be, you know, I mean, uh, suitable to to win and to and to get victories like Osasuna, like uh, Espanol, like Eibar. But from the other hand, you have other really really tough rivals like Athletic, Sevilla, Valencia, or Real Madrid. So I really think that is going to be really difficult, and all the faith of this team is um, on Oscar. Uh, he got a little bit injured, injured uh, in the last game. We don't know if he will be able to travel to Pamplona to play against Osasuna. Yes, it's a trip to Pamplona next to face Osasuna on Saturday. That's a return to a former club for coach Javier Givi. What's the coach's mood right now? He's never been relegated before, but can he stay up this time in? What's his future going to be? Would would he stay with Leganes? Trust me that even when when Aguirre is saying and repeating, you know, his press conferences that he has hope and that he thinks that Leganes will 
avoid relegation. I think that for him it's going to be the first time that he will lead one one team that will fall into the second division uh, with so many difficult circumstances. It's true with the exit of Nesiri, of Bradwaite, but it's a really tough situation and uh, I don't know if he will continue, but right now uh, the information that we've got is that it's going to be really difficult he to, to go on, first of all, because if Leganes is on the second division, he will he won't probably want to, to, to coach the team. And if they remain in the first uh, division, um, it will be difficult too because uh, he is not so happy with the project and with the things that he has seen here in, in Leganes. Interesting stuff there to get an update from Javier. Thanks for that. As we said, Leganes are going to Osasuna next to an Osasuna side that just shook off any lingering relegation concerns they might have had by winning 1-0 away at Alaves. That 1-0 win came thanks to a really nice Antonio Lato strike, which was the only shot on target in an otherwise very dull game. It was an emotional moment for Lato, and you could see it through the smile after he scored and through his comments after the game. He's had a really, really tough season, starting with a loan to PSV Eindhoven, where Van Bommel simply didn't like him. Van Bommel even publicly said that Lato wasn't good enough, and he played just one minute there at PSV in a Europa League qualifying match. So then he looked for a new loan in winter, ending up at Osasuna, but even there he wasn't playing much either. But then he came on for his third Osasuna appearance against Alaves and made all the difference. So that's been another of this midweek's really heartwarming tales. There's much more like that to come in part two of this episode. That's coming up just after this break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hello and welcome back to this Match Day 31 recap. We touched on the relegation battle at the end of part one as we heard from Javier Martin about just how unlucky Leganes have been. Making things even more difficult for them is the fact that 
So many of the teams are trying to catch. In the relegation battle, they did win. Celta Vigo and Eibar remain in 16th and 17th positions respectively and they both earned huge wins this midweek against big sides of Champions League ambitions. In the case of Celta, they went away to Real Sociedad and won 1-0 thanks to a Niago Aspas penalty continuing Real Sociedad's free fall since the break. It's been surprisingly poor from them. Then Ibar also won 1-0, doing so against Valencia thanks to an early Jeffrey Kondogbia own goal and then they carried that narrow lead all the way to the end without letting Valencia even have one shot on target. It's not been great from Valencia either since the restart and that's putting it lightly. Real Vide lead meanwhile, they even managed to add another point to their collection with a 1-1 draw against Atafi, another Champions League chaser. A first half stoppage time in his own penalty that cancelled out Jaime Mata's strike for Hitafi, and then that saw the spoils shared and saw yet another relegation threatened side stand up and take something against a top four contender. So, after all that, the picture down at the bottom of the table is this Espanyol remained bottom on 24 points, Leganes second bottom on 25, Real Mallorca third bottom on 26, Eiburn 17th on 32, Celta in 16th on 33 and Real Valladolid in 15th on 34. That's the situation at the bottom. Now, let's move on to the top. ...into a wall named Donny Garcia. Falls through, though! And a golden goal! The wall finally falls, and it's Ivan Rakitic to the rescue. Rich leaves it. Bale and Vinicius getting in the way, and Vinicius with the goal. It's 1-0 to Real Madrid, Vinicius Jr. Ramos from 25. Oh! His eighth of the season and maybe his best. Real Madrid and Barcelona remain level on points at the top of the table after they both won their home fixtures this midweek. Barcelona went first and beat Athletic Club 1-0, doing so with a late Ivan Rakitic strike. Real Madrid, they then played Real Mallorca and achieved a 2-0 victory with Vinicius producing a lovely finish early on and Sergio Ramos curling in a beautiful free kick in the second half. To discuss the title race, let's bring in Roman de Arquer and let's start off with the Barcelona game. Although they won, they weren't very impressive in my view as a Barcelona fan. What did you think about the performance against Athletic Club? It's been in line with Barca's performances since coming back from the break, to be honest. I mean, Barca are lacking a lot of creativity in attack. Um, they're incapable of generating a good amount of dangerous uh, chances. And their moves just seem so predictable. I mean, the defences are not having a hard time at all stopping Barcelona. And they're depending so much uh, on Leo Messi to generate the attack. And, I mean, that's just not possible because Messi has a limit. He's just 33 now, you know, and physically he's not at his peak. And to be honest, overall, it was just a very bad game from Barcelona. I just liked the last maybe 15-20 minutes when Ricky Puig and Ansu Fati were on the field. Athletic basically played a six-man defence at points and this proved really difficult for Barcelona to break down. How concerning is that? Especially because Barcelona still have to play some similarly defensive-minded teams like Atletico Madrid or even Real Valladolid and Alaves before the end of the season. I think it's Barcelona's main problem at the moment, their inability to break down defences. And we also saw it with Leganes or Sevilla, which maybe aren't as defensively focused as those teams you mentioned. And yet they couldn't find the spaces, they couldn't uh, generate uh, good chances. 
and it was quite depressing as a Barcelona fan to see your team, you know, passing the ball, passing the ball, passing the ball, but not making the most uh, out of having the ball all the time. So I do think Barca will still continue to struggle in the upcoming games, and I don't know, unless Kike Setien finds solutions, which could be in the bench. We did see Ricky Puig and Ansu Fati providing a different um, ideas, you know, for a breath of fresh air. That could be helpful, but... Uh, it's going to be hard in, in this time left to, to solve the, all the problems Barcelona has, but definitely he has to give it a shot and he has to take more risks, not just play Luis Suarez 90 minutes because he's Luis Suarez. One positive for Barcelona is their own defence. It's four clean sheets out of the four matches since the restart and Kiki Setien pointed this out in his post-match press conference. What's been the reaction in Catalonia to that comment? Because Barcelona coaches, they don't usually brag about clean sheets. I think Kike Setien is in a situation in which he'll just brag about anything he can, you know, because it's proving to be harder a task than he probably imagined. He did say that he promised that Barca would play very nice football, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really happening or it's taking its time and it's not an easy process. And so I guess right now with all that pressure he has, any positive he can uh, bring up or anything that proves that there's a, a development in the way the team is playing, he's going to make it stand out. But it hasn't really generated controversy here in, in Barcelona. And of course, fans prefer attacking football and prefer goals to good defense. But I guess in the end, it is a positive and it, it's something he can build up on. But of course, there's still a long, long way to go. A lot of things have to be improved if he wants to keep his job uh, the next season because not winning the title could be very um, harmful for his um, aspirations as a Barcelona manager. Moving on to some controversy, should Messi have been sent off in this game for a stamp on Yerai? I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had been sent off, to be fair, because we've seen red cards for very similar tackles. But at the same time, I do get the feeling that Messi was kind of looking away as he was landing, and maybe he didn't see where Yerai's leg uh, was at that point. Yeah, I think it was clearly unintentional, but I guess he could still have gone... Now, as we move on to Real Madrid 2, Real Mallorca 0, there's more controversy. Was there a foul from Danny Carvajal in the build-up to Real Madrid's first goal, the one finished so well by Vinicius? There's been a lot of controversy with this possible Carvajal foul, and I just think it could have gone either way, you know? If Madrid hadn't scored, I don't think anybody would have been talking at all about that situation. And in my opinion, it wasn't really a foul. I think he charges... Uh, with a lot of strength against the Mallorca player, but uh, no more than that, you know, he does lift his arm a bit, which can make it look worse than it really is. But honestly, I've seen other much more controversial situations in these past uh, few games since we've come back from the break in Real Madrid games, and this one was probably one of the least controversial ones for me. I think it was fair for the, the play to go on, and I have no complaints. I think it probably was a foul, but you can also see why it wasn't given. And since it's not a clear and obvious situation, that's why there was no need to check the VAR monitor. Getting on to the football, what did you think of Real Madrid's new BBVH 4-2-3-1 formation with Bale, Benzema, Vinicius and Hazard all starting together? I mean, that formation just comes to prove that Real Madrid have an impressive attacking team. 
so much depth in those forward positions and it makes sense to try something like this against the weaker side the team from maybe from the bottom half of the table where you're not um, so demanded in defense because I don't think they, Zidane would play a similar formation against uh, Atletico de Madrid against Sevilla or Barcelona for example and as a Barca fan I kind of envy all these attacking situations they're capable of generating with these players because I mean uh, in every game they have they create so many good chances that uh, you know that sooner or later they're going to score a goal against you as a Barcelona fan you say you envy what you're seeing I mean how worried are you about how well Real Madrid are playing well to be honest I'm more worried about Barcelona's poor performances than I am about Real Madrid's good football if we hadn't dropped those points against Sevilla and we were still league leaders depending on ourselves then maybe I'd be a bit more worried about Real Madrid you know chasing us down and playing so well but now things are starting to look a bit off at the Camp Nou and I do think Real Madrid will still drop points because, you know, they've had their ups and downs during uh, their games. And even though they have a lot of attacking potential, they still disconnect sometimes at the back. And, and they can easily drop points at some stage with so many games after another. But on the other hand, I do think that Barcelona will also drop quite a few points. So it's, it's not looking good for the Cules and Real Madrid are making the most out of uh, their good performances, no doubt. Okay, thanks, Roman. Now, in Real Madrid versus Real Mallorca, we had a very special moment in the final few minutes. Luca Romero came on to make La Liga history, becoming the youngest player to debut in the history of the competition at just 15 years and 219 days of age. To get the lowdown on him, here's our man in Mallorca, Alex Fitzpatrick. Take it away, Alex. Tell us about Luca Romero. This kid is incredibly highly rated at Mallorca, as you would expect for a 15-year-old who's just been given his first team debut, the youngest ever player to appear in La Liga. He scored 230 goals in 108 games. That's right, I haven't got those stats the wrong way round. Over two goals per game in his uh, matches that he's played in the academy. And he's been there now for five years. But Mallorca have not been allowed yet to sign him on professional terms due to his age. And they will be hoping, trusting and praying that he's not snapped up. And I think some of the reason why we're seeing some minutes for him now is yes the boy is special but it's also a bit of a carrot for him to see that he can get performances in the first team uh, with Mallorca he qualifies for for Mexico internationally by birth um, Argentina by parentage and Spain by virtue of, of having lived here for a period of time and could still change which country he's going to appear for but he represented Argentina in the under 15 uh, South American Youth Championships getting to the final and, and scoring some goals in that competition um, as well um, and FIFA youth regulations stopped him from joining Barcelona um, and, he, and he moved to Mallorca instead so fortune for Mallorca in that sense but they will hope to keep hold of him Incredibly high hopes for him here on the island and a bright appearance against Real Madrid. There may be some more of that to come for him between now and the end of the season. He just might have something important to say in Mallorca's survival bid. Interesting stuff there. And of course, we'll have Alex to keep us up to date on all the latest happenings with Romero in the coming weeks. Let's finish now by discussing one of the best and most informed teams since the restart, Atletico Madrid, who got another victory this midweek 
another 1-0 this time against Levante. And let's do this with Nick from the Atletico fans account on Twitter. With 10 points from a possible 12, how impressed have you been by Atletico since the restart? It has been a, a very impressive restart from Atletico Madrid. Um, 10 points from 12, uh, obviously. And if you think about it, Arias had uh, had an open goal where he could have slotted it in and we would have beaten uh, Bilbao. And then we would have been talking of 12 from 12 points, uh, which would have been truly remarkable from Atleti, especially given that uh, uh, three of those games uh, were away from home. Um, which is, you know, something that we were really struggling with before with a break. Um, I, I guess uh, part of it has of the success has to be down to um, the, the circumstances in a way. You know, uh, we we have a good squad. I feel with with lots of variety. If you can, if you're keeping people like Vitolo on the sub bench for most of the games, and then he's able to come on and do what he did against Valladolid and get that crucial goal, then that's that's a real benefit. So I think we do benefit from that, maybe compared to a lot of the smaller teams in La Liga. I think also it's it's uh, it's in part large uh, in large part down to uh, the the preparation that the team has gone through. And I know, and I'm often the first to do this, but I often uh, attack. Uh, the Profe Ortega for overly preparing the players and then we get lots of injuries but it seems like he did get it right on this occasion so kudos to him Against Levante they won 1-0 but could and maybe should have won by several goals shouldn't they? Look, uh, I mean, sure uh, we should have scored more against Levante and 1-0 was was maybe a little bit more stressful than it should have been. But uh, look at Atleti away at Levante. I mean, how many times has uh, have we gone out there and then really struggled? Uh, so I think the fact that we were able to to get the result in and of itself was was good. I, I know I've personally felt very nervous about uh, about that game and going into it. So as I, as I always do, flashbacks to 2014, for example. Uh, but it also it does it does highlight the the sort of critical issue that that Atleti have been suffering for a long time, which is it can we can create a lot of chances, a lot of offside chances in particular, but we then struggle to to turn them into into actual goals. And you know that a lot of aspersions been cast on uh, on Costa and um, and Morata for this, but um, the truth of the matter is, you know, um, sometimes it it's just just doesn't work out for you. Um, and hopefully that just means that they have a few more goals in their tank and in the later stages we will be able to uh, enjoy those. Uh, and I, I remain optimistic. I, a lot of, I guess I'm kind of getting a bit off tangent here, Ewan, but uh, uh, a lot of people uh, attack Morata and, uh, and Costa, but when I see them, I see them generating a lot of danger, to be honest. Even Costa, who gets a particular hammering on uh, Atleti Twitter sometimes, I feel he, he does... He does cause a lot of pain. There was a there was a moment in the Levante game where he sort of picks the pocket of the defender uh, and instantly puts uh, Joel Felix in a really good opportunity. And I don't think that that can be sort of sniffed at. Uh, and he's one of these players who uh, who's going to create those sort of moments. And he's, he's he has that psychological effect as well, which I think is really really important as well. You almost mentioned uh, Marcus Juventi there when talking about the forwards. Maybe a bit of a Freudian slip. So can you explain what's going on with him? How is it that he's become such an important attacking player? Can I explain Llorente? Uh, 
Um, I mean, people are trying. Uh, people are trying to explain it. Some people offer suggestions it is. It's confidence. Uh, I saw an ass article which suggested it's because his bed costs 35,000 euros. Um, but, uh, you know, and uh, I, I, I just can't, honestly. I, I don't think anyone should really try except maybe Simeone. Uh, I saw Simeone had compared him to Raul Garcia, but saying that Llorente has the potential to be a lot greater than Raul Garcia. And uh, I think I think there is certainly a lot of truth to that. I think perhaps, okay, this is, I'm, I'm going to double down. I've, I know I've said that I shouldn't even try, but this is perhaps it. Um, he was lucky in at Anfield and the timing of Anfield just before lockdown meant that he was running off the biggest high of his career of all time going into lockdown and that could have been the end of it but i think it allowed him to fortify it and he he's very 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 physically in shape uh, as anyone will admit and i think he he sort of threw himself into lockdown into a sense of i'm going to become even fitter and even stronger and even quicker and he really worked very, very hard. And as as Cholo Simeone has said countless times, you know, if you believe and you work hard, you can. And I think Llorente is a real example of this. Then whether it gets into a tactical discussion of where, whether he's betting one position or another, that's that's a whole other thing. But it's what you see when you look at him play now is the confidence and that the, the real joy he has. And it's something that, that you know, is, is, is contagious. And you can see Joao Felix... Uh, sort of absorbing this and the whole team absorbing this and I think I think we're, we're witnessing something really truly special right now Okay thanks Nick and thanks to all the other contributors to this podcast too that's Paco Pollitt David Whitworth Javier Martin Roman de Arcaire, and Alex Fitzpatrick I've been your host Jim McTeer we'll be back on Monday with another episode as the games keep on coming in the meantime Check us out on Twitter because we'll be covering all of the games over the weekend. Enjoy the football, everyone, and thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.